Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. of this great series called Jesus Is. I call it great because I know what's coming down the road, and I've thoroughly enjoyed what we're going to be sharing here. So it is a great series to me, whether you think so or not. Well, it's yet to be determined, I guess. But we are in week two, and um, if you missed the first week, I want to encourage you to get the podcast, listen to it. It's all free. It's all on iTunes. It's on our website. It's on our Facebook. It's everywhere. So listen to it. It'll be a blessing to you. Um, But week two is Jesus Is, and it's a blank there because... We are filling out that blank over the next few weeks, okay? And that's, that's, uh, it's important because who you say Jesus is, is, is important to your life because as soon as you fill in that line, you begin to live a life that is reflective of who Jesus is to you, right? A, li- a life that is in response to that. So this week, we are saying Jesus is friend of sinners, Okay, and we are going to be in Luke 19. First, let me say this. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. Not just say, here's a Bible for today. I mean, here's a Bible for life. If you need one, just put your hand in the air. We've got Bibles. Our service hosts have them, and they will hand you a Bible. We've got one over here, JJ. If you can get one up here, that would be great. And we are in Luke 19. If you don't have a Bible or maybe you don't know where Luke is, the verses will also be up here on the screen. But Luke 19, I'm going to read because we've got a lot to go through today. And uh, we, can't, we started 10 minutes late, so if you're watching your clocks, just know that I'm not really going that long. We, we genuinely started 10 minutes late to allow people time to get here this morning and enjoy worship because of the snow. So, All right, Luke 19, 1 through 10. Uh, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there. Yep, it's okay. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Okay, We're going to call him Zach for short for the rest of the day, or little Zach, or hey, little buddy, whatever you want to call him, but you'll, you'll see why in a minute. And Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short or vertically challenged, I don't think PC was around when the Bible was written, but he was vertically challenged. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Now, for those of you that grew up in church, you're probably singing in your head the same thing I am singing. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Nobody else? Okay, all right. So yeah, was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, dude. It's a Sunday school song. Anyway, every time I read that, think about that. And so since Jesus, I can sing the rest of it for you. You want me to sing the rest of it? No. So since Jesus was coming that way, so when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zach, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, you need to understand that word sinner is a derogatory term, right? It's written here, and we read it like they're saying, and it's almost written in G format, right? It's like G-rated. But really, this word is a PG-13 kind of R-rated word. You know what I'm saying? At that time, to say somebody was a sinner was to say that they are a lowlife, they are a dog, they are a reject, outcast. These are not people that are worthy, Jesus, of your time. So they use the word sinner to let Jesus know without giving a full description of who Zach was. Hey, that... That guy's a sinner. What are you doing hanging out with him, right? So they really don't like Zach, 
and they really don't like that Jesus is getting ready to go have lunch with him, okay? But Zacchaeus stood up. Okay, so, sorry, uh, back to the verse. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and, I, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Isn't that just beautiful? Just beautiful. Jesus is the friend of sinners. A man like Zach. All right, uh, one more verse I want to read to you, and then we'll jump into, into everything this week. So it's Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, the sinner. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated, I love reading a verse. I love the scenario setting up and going, this is us. We probably wouldn't die for our friend, right? Not for a friend, not even for a good person. We probably would not lay our lives down selflessly. And then, and then the verse inserts a, but God. I love those but gods. When you see a but God, you need to know that something is getting ready to be flipped. Something that is not the way you would normally think is getting ready to change. Okay? So here's the challenge. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's awesome. That is the gospel right there. You want to see God, that's him right there in those three little verses. And last week, we revealed how God flipped our worldly value system upside down, like our worth, right? We find our worth in so many things, but God finds us worthy because we are made in his image. There's nothing that we've done or can do or own or been, nothing that separates us from God's love because we were born bearing his image, right? And that is why God loves us. And so God flipped upside down our thinking last week, and this week, he flips upside down what friendship means, and what it means to be a friend of sinners. Because the Bible says, no greater love has a man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Right? And that verse says, verse 7 says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare die, but God, and here's the flip, he's our friend, before we even accept him as a friend. He's our friend And he's laid down his life for us. Jesus is the friend of sinners. And this is good news. And so all of us in some way or another believe that before there's acceptance or belonging or being a part of a group or being a friend to somebody, that there has to be some kind of adherence to uh, codes of conduct, right? Uh, Like first I need to make things right. I need to get my ducks in a row. I need to clean up my life before someone will accept me. I need to be A, B, or C. Before I can ask out that girl, I need to go to the gym and work out. Before I can buy that car or get that house, I need to have this. Or before I'm able to get into this group, I need to be able to run that fast or whatever that may be. There's, There's codes of conduct, right? There's things we have to do in order to be accepted. And so I would say because of this, this little thing in, in our society, this belief that we have to do something before we can, or we have to be something before we're accepted. I would say most people don't come to church because of this little idea, right? They, they say, let me clean myself up, or they say, I don't belong there. Those people have it all together, or I'm not like them. Uh, I can't be like them. My life is a mess. If you only knew me, you wouldn't accept me. I don't belong on your, on, in your chairs. I don't belong being your friend, you shouldn't be shaking my hand. You shouldn't be hugging my neck. 
the meet and greets, I'm the last person you should talk to. Now, if you were the last person I talked to today, do not feel like I was, I was labeling you. That was not it at all. But this just isn't in the church. This is how we function in everything, right? We're busy trying to keep up appearances, to improve ourselves, right? We're constantly straightening up our lives so that nothing in them will lead to a severance of relationship or community and in our society. All of us, without exception, play this way. Let, let me give you an example. Have you ever had friends that have just come into town suddenly before? They didn't warn you. They didn't say, hey, I'm coming. They called you when they were in town, or maybe they ran into you at an event, and they were like, hey. And you're like, hey, it's John and Amanda. What are you guys doing? Hey, we're in town, and we want to hang out with you right now. And you're like, oh, no problem. Why don't you guys come on over? And so if you are married, you know that something important has to happen right now because John and Amanda are on their way to your house. If you are not learned in this way, let me teach you, oh, Padawan. Here we go. Padawan was a Jedi learner. I'm a nerd. There it is. I'm just putting it out there. Let me teach you what has to happen. You cannot go to your house without making a phone call. And the phone call sounds like this. Hey, babe, it's me. Now, first of all, she's got caller ID and she knows it's you, okay? Why you're identifying yourself, I don't know, but this is how this call sounds. Hey, babe, it's me. You remember John and Amanda? Well, they're in town and they're coming over right now. Oh, she's so excited. She can't wait for you guys to come over. Yeah, babe, we'll be there soon. I love you. Bye. Click. Now, this phone call has to happen this way, and you know that on the other end of the phone, she is not going, that's awesome. I love them. They're coming to my house. She's in a panic, and if you know my wife, you know that this is true. You know this is true. Here's what she's doing. She's not at peace. She's not happy. She is upset. And she is frantically running around the house. I mean, we are talking about bowls of cereal that still have milk in them are being shoved in drawers someplace. <laughs> nah, it's not that bad, but seriously. The house, everything that is out gets shoved. The vacuum cleaner is in a whirl. The kids are running around. Everything is being cleaned up. And if you've been to my house, you know that we play this game. Every time people come in and go, you guys don't even look like you live here. And I'm like, I told you, babe, you don't have to do that. But this woman just wants to clean. She wants to make it look like she lives like this Betty Crocker lifestyle, you know? And by the time we arrive with John and Amanda to the house, here's what's happening. The River 1049 is playing in the background. The candle is lit, and it smells beautiful in there, and she's got a pumpkin roll on the counter. And we're like, how did that happen? Baby, you don't even make pumpkin roll unless it's a holiday, right? And there is a pumpkin roll on the counter. Now, this metaphor has gotten a little out of control, and I understand, but, but you understand what I'm saying is we try to make this appearance. We try to make it look like... We, we got it all together, right? Like, you walk in, and she's Betty Crocker, you know, and, and it, everything is, is perfect at my house. And it's just, it's not. The truth is, she's exasperated. And we all do this, right? We're all pretending. Why? Why are we all pretending? I mean, if these are really our friends, couldn't we just say to them, hey, you're a big inconvenience right now. Like, I love you, but I'm not loving you right now. Right? I mean, if they're our friends, shouldn't they just love us how we are? Like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, we had plans to be romantic tonight, and now she's got sweatpants on. 
Like, seriously, could you just go somewhere else and visit with someone else tonight? <laughs> you all wish you could be that way. And so do I. So do I. But we can't just be honest with each other. Our house isn't usually a wreck, but it always looks lived in, right? Everybody's house always looks lived in. And I always tell her, I'm like, it's okay if people see that the house is lived in. It's okay that there's dishes in the sink. But she's, she's like, no, no, this has to look p- perfect, you know? And she was this way before she became a pastor's wife. Don't even think it's like the pressure of the ministry. It's not. It's like pressure of something socially that she's adhering to. And I love you, babe. She's right here, guys, right? Okay? And I love her. But this, this is the way it is, right? This is the way it is. We cover up how we normally live. And I don't know what it is under the surface of us that makes us tick that way, right? But we all do this in some way, whether it's your house, something in your life, we all want to cover it up. We're busy shoving things, right? We're busy hiding things when people are coming over. And and we do this with God as well, right? We do this. We start shoving parts of our life into drawers and saying, okay, we're going to church today. We got to have it all together, right? I love that Kyle stood up here and said, guys, I don't have it all together today. I don't have it all together today. I'd rather worship with somebody like that than somebody who comes in and pretends, who is busy shoving things and hiding them. You know why? Because they're faking. I would rather be real. What would our world look like if we were all just real with each other? And so if we worry, though, that if people discover that we're hoarders or that we're sloppy, that we won't be accepted. If they discover that we smell different than fresh-baked cinnamon rolls, right? We, we fear that they won't want to come over to our house anymore. That's the kind of candle that we burn, by the way. <laughs> fresh-baked cinnamon rolls. We don't actually have cinnamon rolls baked. It's just a candle, right, babe? It's just a candle. <laughs> and we're all funny, but this is how we carry on. And what's more ridiculous is that we act that way with God. And the thing is, is God already knows. He knows the way you're living. He knows your mess. He knows the drawers that you're stuffing your stuff in. He made them. He knows every nook and cranny and corner of your house. He's already aware of it. And yet we pretend and we carry on with God this way. It's like, why are we doing this? Why? Why? He already knows. We don't have to do anything to come to God. We don't have to stuff anything anywhere. We can just be completely honest is honest with him and so we don't have to okay sorry i just said that the fact of the matter is is god has revealed himself in the person of jesus so we can put to rest these silly notions and really fully understand who he is and how he functions right and jesus drove people nuts because he acted completely different socially than everyone expected during his time Everyone would have expected Jesus to keep up appearances. Everyone would have expected him to hang out with the good people, but that's not what Jesus did, and he drove people nuts. And last week we talked about the complaints filed against Jesus because of who he was interacting with socially, and this week we have another complaint, right? Jesus, you're hanging out with rejects and dogs. Do you know how sloppy and disorganized these people are? Don't you know who this is that you're, that you're going to have lunch with? Don't you know how this socially is supposed to work? I mean, have you lived under a rock, Jesus, all your life? Don't you know who a tax collector is? We're the ones that have it all together because, remember, Jesus is walking with a huge crowd when he sees Zach, right? These people are following him. Why didn't he choose to have lunch with one of them? You know, but God, the reason is, the only answer is, is because God acts on his own. Do you know what that means? 
That God does what God's going to do and he's not looking for your approval for what he's going to do. God doesn't post something on Facebook and go, ah, did I word that right? Oh, people are going to click like on this. He doesn't take a picture on Instagram and go, I need to and check every five seconds to see how many people have liked it. Like he needs some kind of validation for the picture that he puts up there, right? Or he's not concerned about whether he's going to get retweeted anything he puts on Twitter. I'm just trying to reach everybody in all the social media that you use, right? Any MySpacers out there? He's not trying to be your buddy, okay? He's not worried about that. I don't think anybody uses MySpace, but just in case. God acts on his own because he is God all by himself. God does not need you. He wants you, but God does not need you. He is completely self-sufficient, right? God is complete on his own, needs nothing. And he, he is not motivated by what motivates us. He acts on his own has no needs. And that's why Romans 5 teaches us that Paul says, in these social circumstances, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. And here's the but God. Remember I said the but God. This is where God shows himself. He shows, I'm going to do this because I'm God. It has nothing to do with you. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. It's his own love. He is the exclusive source and owner of this kind of love. It's agape love, right? It's, it needs no likes or retweets. It, it needs no reciprocation. He extends this love because of himself. He gives it to us, not because of you or anybody else. It's him and him alone, and him and him alone moves him to act. And God does what he's going to do because of himself. That's it. It's the only reason he does it. And here's how we know that this is true. The the verse continues and says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He acts alone and allows his own son to come and be crushed for us. With no guarantee that we will ever accept his sacrifice. I mean, we're talking about Jesus died for people, for the sin of all humanity, from the beginning of time to the end of time. Every person that will come after you, that will walk these streets of this earth. He died for all of them and with no guarantee that anyone would accept his sacrifice. That seems senseless to me. Doesn't that seem senseless to you? Why in the world? But we're not God. But if we want to understand him, we can look at this verse. It explains that God allowed him to take those, because of, take those sins because of who he is, because he is love. It doesn't matter whether you accept it. He's going to give it. There's no reciprocation needed. This is God. And so I've had the conversations many times about if I were God or if God were here today, who would he hang out with? We know or the answer to that, right, because of who Jesus was. We can, we can read him. We can look in the Bible and see Jim, Jesus demonstrated God for us in living color, didn't he? That was Jesus. That was God in the flesh. And so we get to see who would Jesus be hanging out with. And Romans 5, 6 through 8 helps us understand why Jesus would hang out with a guy like Zach. So let's look at who Zach really was, though, okay? The verse is, there was a man by the name of Zach, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, we want to look at Zacchaeus, and in our minds, we think, oh, this guy's like, you know, he's Peter, Peter Dinklage, right? Like, he's a, he's a short guy, right? Peter Dinklage is an actor, famous for Game of Thrones and all kinds of, nobody knows the Peter, okay, well, he's, he's a short guy. Oh, all right, we got one person back there going, I got you, Aaron, I got you. Zacchaeus wasn't a poor little soul, Right? You may, you may look at a guy who's short, like I, I, I'm 6'1", I'm 
and I look at people, and I, I don't feel sorry for them when they're shorter than me. But you may look at, you know, my wife is like, what are you, five nothing? Five? Sorry. Five three. Okay, five three. I don't feel sorry for her. I, I just don't. But you may look at Zach, and you may feel sorry for him because he was a wee little man, right? He was a, it was a small little guy. And, you know, but, but he's not a poor little soul. He's not beaten down or maligned. This is the guy who's doing the maligning. This is the guy who's treating people badly. He's a tax collector. Do you know what that meant during that time? During, you need to know politically that the Romans had come in and taken over Israel, right? And they are oppressing the Jews. And a Jew, a guy that belongs to the Jewish people, became a tax collector for the Romans, One of their own kind is going around and taking money to give it to the man. And they're like, you are a dog. This is a guy that they cast out of the temple. He wouldn't have been able to hang out in any social social circles because of who he was. Nobody would have gone on Google Plus and added him to a circle. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't have been in anybody's circle. He's short, but he's made up for it with a big bank account, with his big house that has a view, right? And he has plenty of girlfriends. And on the day that Jesus comes by, he isn't hoping that Jesus will save him from his sins. I guarantee you, he's like, save me from what? My wealth? My money? My Friday nights where I party? Like, what does he feel like he needs to be saved from? He's got it, right? He's got it all. He's like, I'm run these streets. People fear me because of who I am. And I'm short. And out of everyone present in the crowd that day, Jesus chooses to go have lunch with that guy. Why? And Zacchaeus being, he's not just a tax collector. This verse says that he was a chief tax collector. Anybody here familiar with Amway? I don't want to know if you've ever done it. You can hide your shame. I'm just asking, are you familiar with it? Okay, you're familiar with it. It's called a pyramid scheme, right? They bring you in and they're like, listen, you can make this amount of money. But if you get somebody to go under you, they become one of your people. And then every time they sell something, you make money off of their money. And then if you keep branching out that way, and then if their people get people, then you make money off of their people. And then it keeps on going down. It keeps going down this pyramid, right? And you're supposed to keep on bringing people in. And then eventually you're supposed to be able to not do anything. And all the people who are making the money and doing the work, you're supposed to earn the money off of. That's Zacchaeus. That's Zach. That's our wee little guy. He's a chief tax collector. He's been at this for a while. He's wealthy. This is a guy who just gets to hang out and earn money. He is a tax collector of tax collectors. He is the big dog, the top dog, as it were, in Israel. And the verse says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, Zach, being a Jew, would have known from studying the Torah, every Jew studied the Torah from the the young age, he would have known that there was a Messiah who was coming, and he would have been curious to see him, which is exactly what we say. He said he wanted to see who he was. And so, of course, he's interested, and he decides to check Jesus out. The possible Messiah that I heard about all my life is here. So I want to check him out. So he runs on ahead and he climbs a tree so that he can see him. The verse says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at him and said to him, Zach, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, Zach has to be thrilled, maybe even possibly thinking, I'm a genius. I picked this tree and I climbed up and maybe Jesus is impressed with how fast I got up this tree because he had to see me. 
He had to know. He must be impressed with what I've done and how fast I got up the tree and the fact that I was willing to get up this tree. He must be impressed and look at, or maybe even just look at the good fortune I've had. I'm so lucky I picked the right tree that he would stop under. He's, he's got to be thinking to himself that because of something I've done, Jesus is stopping here. And aren't we all a little bit like this, right? Aren't we all just a little bit? We think if we will climb a big enough tree or if we do enough or that Jesus will see us, that he'll want to spend time with us, right? He'll be so impressed that we climb six feet that he's like, whoa, good job, little slugger. I'm coming by your house today. You got six feet off the ground. That is so high. I'm impressed with you. Whoa, you prayed 37 minutes today? That's, I'm spending time with you. You've been to church four weeks in a row? You gave 22% of your income this year? Never in all my years, Zach. I'm, I'm coming by your house. We all think this a little bit, though, don't we? We think it's, it's, it's what I do that gets Jesus to come by. It, and it seems ridiculous to say it, but we still believe it. We believe that if we climb this proverbial tree of discipline and dedication and focus, that that, and, and I'll tithe and I'll be nice to little old ladies and I'll be a good person that, that God will stop by my tree, right? And I'll keep climbing. And if, as, as churches, we, we have to be careful because we'll look at somebody else and, and somebody comes in and goes, man, you know, I'm struggling with this. And you go, keep climbing. Just keep climbing. You're doing fine. Just keep at it. Keep climbing. So you go, okay, I'll, I'll keep climbing. My kids aren't doing well. Keep climbing. You haven't climbed high enough, apparently. Keep climbing. And we encourage each other to keep climbing the tree, to keep doing something instead of doing what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. What did he say? He says to Zac, he says, come down. Come down from that tree. And that's what I feel like I want to say to you and what I, I know that Jesus is saying to us all the time. Come down from the things that you're doing that you think are going to get his attention. There's nothing you can do. Just come down. Come down off the tree. And that's what he says to him in the next verse. He says, come down. And so he says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Let let me ask you something. What if we actually did that? What if we did come down from the tree? From all the things that we were doing, the, the stuff we're shoving, and we just were honest about our lives, and we built a community around being honest and saying, you know what? I need Jesus just as much as you do. I don't need to climb a tree. Jesus, Jesus loves me, knows me, and accepts me just as much as he knows you, loves you, and accepts you. What kind of community would that be? Wouldn't it be amazing? And so it says, Zach came down at once and welcomed him gladly, right? So Zach hurries down the tree like a little chipmunk, you know? And, uh, and you've got to imagine, this, this, they're walking arm in arm. So what does it look like to, to welcome him gladly? He's like, hey, Jesus. Well, probably, hey, Jesus. <laughs> And they walk arm in arm, and they're, they're going to go to his house. And he's like, man, I got an infinity pool. I got a hot tub. We'll put some, some shrimp out on the barbie. I don't know if he's Australian or not, but we're just using it. <laughs> he, he's excited. And the people that are in the group are like, hey, this is not cool, Jesus. Don't you know who he is? Not only is he a sinner, but this is the guy who took my grandma's pension from her. This is the guy who robs people and takes things from people the house you're getting ready to go to the food you're getting ready to eat was bought with money that was taken from us this guy is a thief and if you were there you would be thinking the same thing it's not funny when somebody in your family is 
robbed of something they've worked for all their lives. But this is who Zach is. You, you get the feeling right now? This is not a cool guy. This is not somebody you would say, Jesus, go hang out with that guy. No, it had been different. And Jesus gives no explanation. This is why he frustrates people so much. And I love it. He gives no explanation. He doesn't put his arm around Zach and say, hey, guys, it's cool. I'm on a mission trip here. Pray for me. I'm going to change him, okay? He doesn't even give him that opportunity. He just says, deuces and duck lips. I'm going with Zach. <laughs> and he's gone. And he's gone. <laughs> I love that you love me for being silly. I love that. I've got issues. I've got issues. But I tell you, I try to imagine this thing and make it real because it is. It is. It's not just, it just seems so simple. It seems like the whole story is captured right there, but it's not. There's more to it than that. And you can be as silly or serious about it as you want, but something's happening here. Somebody's life is getting ready to be changed. And it's important that you enjoy the journey. So I'm enjoying it. You know, but we do this though, right? We think about, we think about uh, a Zach, and we go like, that guy needs to repent. And, uh, and, and we do this in church. We go, you know, you can't come to church, or you can't come to Jesus. You just got a divorce last week. You need to be sad. You need to feel that shame, right? You need to feel the pain of that. I'm not really sure why, but that's what you need to do. You need to be, you can't, you're a, an addict. You can't, you can't come into church and be happy, you can't come into church and worship. This is how we feel. This is how we, we project that onto others. You, you don't belong with Jesus, right? And this is what the people are doing. You can't be here. But Zach is pumped, and Jesus is okay with how pumped he is, and the people are just mad. And so the people say, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, this is the second time. Last week we were in Luke 15. Now we're in Luke 19. There's a progression here, right? The story goes forward. So they've seen this before. I can't imagine why anybody is surprised except that this guy is a lot different than the rest of the people. This guy's he, he's the worst. And so you have to imagine the scene here. Jesus is surrounded by a bunch of good people, and he leaves them to go hang out with Zach, and they're mad. But everything changes for Zach. In the next verse, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. So something has happened, right? They've gone to Zach's house. They've had lunch. They're probably sitting at a table with some very nice pillows behind them. And Jesus has been there for a while. Whether it's been an hour or two hours, we don't know the length of time that has passed here. But something changes from verse 7 to verse 8. Because he was hated and he was a tax collector. That's, that's all he was then. And verse 8 says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. And you need to understand what just happens in that little phrase. Jesus has said whatever has transpired in his time with him. He says, You're God. You look like a man, but I'm convinced. You're God. You are Lord. That's who you are to me right now. You, you're God, and I believe it. And he has to be so bursting with faith right now. His heart has to be burning because this is the Messiah. And he's excited. He's pumped about it. And he's like, look, Lord. There's an exclamation point there. He's dinging his glass. He's got everybody's attention. His family is there. His top, top tax collectors are probably there. His servants are there. Jesus is there. And he's making a scene. And he says, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Something has happened to Zach. 
And it wasn't because he read a law or because he knew the Torah. Something has happened. The Torah would have been the first five books of the Bible that, that tell us how, to, how we're supposed to live according to the law. It wasn't some principle. It wasn't some idea. Something has happened to Zach that he is changing who he was. He says, I'm out. I'm out. Everything I've ever done, I'm out. I'm giving up the job, his career. I'm giving up my lifestyle. It's a good possibility that what he just said that he would do, I'll give half to the poor, and if I've robbed anybody, I'll give back fourfold. That's 400% what he's stolen from people over all of his years. It is a good possibility that he doesn't even have enough wealth after he's given half of it to the poor, which he just said he would do, to give back. And this means that everything he earns from here on out, he's going to take a part of and give it back to people and spend his life giving back to people that he's stolen from until he has satisfied that fourfold. It is a good possibility that he may have never even reached that goal, but it was a goal now. His life had changed. And what happened? It wasn't because he had a set of standards. It wasn't because somebody preached holiness to him and said, you need to clean yourself up or you ought not behave that way. It wasn't because of the law. What the law could never accomplish in a thousand years, Jesus accomplishes in a moment. What happened to Zach? What happened? He spent time with a man. He spent time with Jesus. And Jesus, who left everyone, took a chance and went and sat at a dog's table. And he switches everything about himself. Now, if you knew the law... When Zach went up to stand up, he knew the law. You would know that the law says if you've ever stolen anything and you acknowledge that, you need to give back everything you took plus 20%. That's in, in, in Leviticus. It says you have to do that. But if you do the math, which, you know, last week I touted that I'm a math Olympian and then proved that I'm not because of my math. You just need to listen to the podcast. It's on there. Don't take one from 100 and get 91. You get 99. I just... But I wrote down my math today. I'm not going to mess it up. According to Levitical law, he had to give back 120%, right? But what he just says he's going to do is give back 400%. The math on that is what the law would have accomplished with 120%, he's giving 280% more. Why? Because the law will take you to a point... But a relationship, the person of Jesus, will take you so far past it. That as a person, you're like, man, you know, the summary of your life may be like, how did you give so much? See, I, I didn't even realize I was giving so much. But you gave this and you did this and your marriage has lasted and this has happened. How were how you able to do that? You go, I, I don't know. I guess I just did it. I didn't realize I was giving that much. I wasn't counting. I wasn't really wasn't a game of percentages for me. It was about the, the person of Jesus. I met him and my life changed. I, I met him and my life changed. You know, oftentimes I, I think as a pastor, I'm like, you know, these, these buckets are going to be passed at the end of the service. And I wonder sometimes if, if people give out of guilt, and I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just saying that, that we need money to keep things going here and to continue to reach out to the community. And so those buckets are passed for that. But I wonder, do people give out of out of guilt or obligation. And so I thought, you know, what if I just didn't pass the bucket? Would people still out of a relationship with Jesus find a way to give? Would would they find a way to give because they've met a man who changed their life? 
because they met somebody. It doesn't even matter the percentage they're going to give. They're going to give like Zach gave. You say, Aaron, is this, you just turned this whole sermon. I'm not even listening to you anymore. Now it's about money. No, it's not about money. It's about your heart. And the Bible says is that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let me be a pastor for just a second. If it's your first time here, I'm not talking to you. Okay, so you can put on earmuffs. This is, this is just for the people that come. Just this moment. I don't want to guilt you into giving. If you're giving because you're guilted, don't give. But if you've met Jesus, if you know the person and he's changed your life, give. Give because you love, not because there's a percentage. I believe in tithing. Tithing's 10% of your income. I believe in that. We ask our partners to do that. When they commit to be partners, we ask them to commit to do that. I believe in that. Matthew 23, 23 says to do it. Don't avoid it. Do it. But this is not about percentages. This is about the person. God may tell you, I would never tell you just give 10% because God may be telling you to give 90%. Ooh, wouldn't that shake you up? <laughs> wouldn't that shake you up? Uh, but when you meet the man, I'm just saying, I, it's funny. It's funny until he asks you. It's funny. It's funny until you got a wad of cash in your pocket and you see somebody come up and they go, man, I really need some money. And you're like, oh, Jesus, you knew I had cash and you asking for it. You're asking for it. But I guarantee you, Zach didn't think about percentages that day. He didn't think about principles. And it's important to learn morals and holiness and all those things. Paul teaches about them all through the Bible. They're, they're important but it's more about the person of Jesus than anything else. And Jesus is a friend of sinners. He's a friend of of you and me. And I I think I'm going to wrap up here. There's so much more I can say, but I'm going to wrap up here and just say, you know, some of you are like Zach today. Whether that's because you're far from Jesus and you're living a life that that is in sin or because you're climbing a tree to impress Jesus. You're in there somewhere. And if you're climbing the tree, Jesus is saying, come down and rest. Be with me. It's not that those disciplines aren't important. But he's calling us to rest in him and just be with him. So if you're exhausted from your climbing, come down. And if you're like Zach and you haven't met Jesus today, you can, you, you can do that today. If you never said, Jesus, you are Lord, but something in your heart is burning. You're like, you know what, this guy's got to be real. Look around at this room full of people that are connected to him and the people that they're connected to. And Jesus has got to be real. If you want to cross that line today, I'm going to pray for you. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. This is the good news we get to share. And I'm honored to share it. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share this today. I, I would ask that if you're here today and you... You want to make Jesus Lord of your life. I'm going to count to three. And on three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Nobody is looking around. But if you want to, you want to do that today, begin that journey of walking with Jesus, somebody who accepts you regardless of your mess, there's nothing you have to clean up. I'm counting to three now. At the end of three, shoot your hand in the air. One, this could be your day. Two, your heart is beating fast and you're like, I've done this before and I've tried this before. I don't know if I can do it. You can. 
I'll pray for you. This church will be here for you. You can make that decision. I'm going to say three, and if that's you, I want you to put your hand up. Three. Hands up around the room. That's amazing. That's amazing. You can put your hands down. Thank you. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for your love. I want all of you who, in this room, whether you put your hand up or not, I want you to pray with me because nobody should ever pray alone. Amen, church? And so we're going to pray together out loud. Lord Jesus, here's my life. It is yours. I love you because you first loved me. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for taking my sins. And loving me regardless of them. I love you. Amen. If you've been climbing, you know, do you know, do you know that, that it says that when one person comes into the kingdom of God, that all of heaven stops and has a party? And today there were four or five of you that said, I, I want to do that today. It's reason to celebrate. And I will spend my day in celebration of your decision. And I'm just overwhelmed at the love that God has for us. Because it truly is amazing. When you encounter Jesus, this person, your life changes. It changes. And I want to walk with you through that. Whatever that looks like. So right now, if you need prayer for anything, we're going to wrap up our service. Technically, I'm ahead of schedule because we started 10 minutes late today. But if you need prayer for anything, I have people standing in the back of the room. They have badges that look like this. If you have a need in your life, there is no reason that it should go unmet. They will pray with you. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you've got a sick child. Whatever that need may be, we are here to pray with you and pray now. I'll give you two minutes to get up and receive prayer, and then we'll close the service. I thank you guys for being here today in the middle of this storm. And I, Lord, I pray blessings over all of them in safety as they travel. Keep them warm. Keep them comfortable through the snow. For those that are coming down from that tree that are exhausted today, Lord, I pray strength for them and relaxation and rest in you because you love them. You love them regardless of their climbing. You love them whether they climb or not. Let them rest in your love today. And Lord, those that have given your, their lives to you today, May they have a celebration today because all of heaven is celebrating with them. We thank you, Jesus, for that. You may get up now and receive prayer if you need to, and then we'll close service in just a moment.